We are in part three of this series called Wonder, and what we've been talking about is the idea of being amazed. Now, I got to tell you, I think we have lost the meaning, the real meaning of the idea of something being amazing, of being amazed. In fact, I came across a store ad. Now, nothing against Big Five. I like Big Five, okay, sporting goods, and I like all that. But, but this week, I came across this. Actually, it was from last Sunday's paper. It says, amazing savings. I'm like, really? Amazing? All right. That's the word, right? And then I look over here, 20% off. I don't know about you, but I'm not real amazed at 20% off, right? That doesn't seem like all that amazing. When we we, you know, do come across something that's truly amazing, we have a tendency to think, eh, eh, yeah, eh. you know, oh yeah, look at that, eh. right? We, we, we have this tendency to be unimpressed, unmoved. The last few weeks, we've been talking about being amazed by Jesus. In fact, the, the word in today's passage is at the very end of the passage. You'll see it when we get there. But the writer Mark tells us that everyone was completely amazed. Say that word with me, amazed. Come on, say it with me with gusto here, amazed. You know why I want you to just kind of put umph to it? Because the, the idea, the meaning in this original text, if you don't know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek and then it's translated, sometimes what's called transliterated because we can't really get the full meaning of Greek in English. It's one of those kind of language transitions. But um, it was written in Greek and then we have it in English. And so sometimes in English, we lose the real full meaning of, of what they're trying to get across, what the writer's trying to, to get across. And in our culture, like I've said, we've kind of lost the idea of being amazed by something. This Greek word um, is exist a me, which means to remove from a standing position. Basically, a gut punch takes you off your feet. Um, it, it, it puts you out of your place, showing someone as being, a big word here, flabbergasted. You ever heard that word before? Um, or, or being at a total loss to explain something. That's what amazing is supposed to be to us. That's why when Mark writes that everyone was completely amazed, they were amazed. They were put out of their place by what had just taken place. Jesus had that effect on people. In fact, there's 41 different events in the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where the word amazed is used to describe Jesus 41 times. People couldn't believe what Jesus did. They couldn't believe what, what Jesus said. They were completely amazed. And it's my hope today that when you leave this place and we head over to Rubio's, that we're going to be amazed by Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, as we dig into your word today and just take a look at this narrative, I ask that the writings of Mark would just come alive to us. We would be sucked into this story. We'd be able to identify with this story from, from so many years ago. But yet it would be so applicable to us, to our everyday lives today. Help us to hear you speak into our lives through this text. We love you. We pray it in your name. Amen. So you can use your Bible. Uh, we're going to be in Mark 5 or a mobile device or you can follow along the screens or you can grab your outline and I would highly recommend that you do that. That's in your brochure today and fill in the blanks. Kind of helps you remember. Otherwise, when you get to that fish taco, you have lost everything that we talked about in this room. So it really helps you to uh, remember a little bit. Let's take a look. Mark 5 verse 21. 
When Jesus went, to, uh, went in the boat back to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him there. I've discovered that in every crowd, there is someone who is desperate. Um, someone whose marriage is shattered, someone who's grieving a loss of someone, maybe someone who has been abused, someone who has been struggling with an addiction for a while, someone who is hurting physically or emotionally or mentally or spiritually. Someone is desperate. And we find it in this crowd that Jesus encounters in Mark 5. A leader of the synagogue named Jairus came there, saw Jesus, and fell at his feet. Now, what's interesting is Jairus is probably not a follower of Jesus. In fact, it kind of tells us that he was the leader of the Jewish synagogue. And if you know anything about the story of Jesus and the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the religious leaders were not really all that excited about Jesus. In fact, they were in opposition to him. He was a part of the Jewish religious system which opposed Jesus. And yet, despite all of what his other Jewish leaders thought, all of his colleagues thought, this guy came to Jesus. Why? We look at verse 22. He begged Jesus, saying again and again, don't miss that, he was begging again and again and again and again, my daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so she may be healed and will live. Now, if you're a parent, you totally get this. You understand what he felt. If your child is suffering, you want nothing more than to help them, right? I, I remember, I can, I can take you in my mind, I can take you to the picture in our kitchen when our oldest daughter, Shannon, was two years old. I, think, I want you to think about a two-year-old and how small they are and how small their hands are and how small their fingers are. And Shannon was just having a great day. She was a great little kid, great toddler, and she was just having a great day in one of those happy moments where she's just spinning. You ever seen toddlers do that where they're just, they're so excited and she's just spinning around in our kitchen and she spun too close to our cabinets and we had a, 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 an oven um, that was in, you know, in set in our cabinets and she swung her fingers into the grill of the oven and got them stuck in between the vent of the grill. Everybody follow me? It's like on the bottom of the oven. Well, it freaked her out, and before I could respond, what did she do? She yanked them out. Now, if anybody ever knows what a metal cut can do, it's pretty severe. When she pulled it out, okay, I'm not going to gross you out, it was a mess. Let's just put it that way, okay? It was everywhere. And um, my wife was standing there. I was seated at our table, and I saw what happened. I jumped up, scooped her up. I still I can, I can feel the feelings, and I can remember the motions. I don't know how I did it all in one motion, but I scooped her up, grabbed a dish towel off the sink, and was wrapping the hand as I was telling Dee Dee, get the car, we got to go to emergency. And as I'm wrapping her finger, I could see that it was just hanging. It was her little finger. We got there, and um, this little two-year-old, think about this, took 11 stitches in her little bitty pinky. To this day, she has this huge scar on her pinky. It just a, it, I could see bone, put it that way. And so, as a parent, you know you're wanting to do everything you can to help your child in that moment. In this situation, this was not just stitches. Her, his daughter, she was dying. 
He, he was seeing the life of his daughter leave. Can you imagine the pain he must have felt? As, as he was standing by watching his daughter grow weaker and weaker and sicker every moment. And there was absolutely nothing they could do about it. And finally, he became so desperate that, that he, he pushed away all of this religious stuff. And he's like, I'm going to go to the one source that I know can do something about this. Even though I don't know where I am with this whole Jesus thing, I'm going to this guy. And it says that Jairus went to Jesus and he begged him. I want you to get this down. When desperate, cry out to Jesus. When desperate, cry out to Jesus. Are you desperate today for something? Is there a situation that, that overwhelms you? Is there something that, is, that feels out of control, something that you cannot fix? Today is the day to cry out to Jesus and see what he can do. Jairus was desperate because his daughter was dying. He needed help. He had no options. He had to get to Jesus. So he begged Jesus to help. Come, please, touch my daughter and heal her. I love this next part, and it's only five words. I love this next part in verse 24. It moves me every time I read it. So Jesus went with him. Wow. Don't miss this. This so should speak to your heart today. That Jesus left the crowds to give all of his attention to one desperate person who was crying out to him. He stopped everything to help the one desperate person. Friends, I'm telling you, if you cry out to Jesus, he will help you. So Jesus is on the move with Jairus because it's an emergency, right? And they, they had to get there. And it says, but a, a, lo- a large crowd followed Jesus and pushed very close around him. And among them was a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. I want you to circle the two words, 12 years, because we're going to come back to that in a minute. She has been bleeding for 12 years. A Jewish culture, in Jewish culture, life was in the blood. Life was seen as being a part of the blood. This woman was losing blood for 12 years. She was losing life for 12 years. She was dying for 12 years. Verse 26 said she had suffered very much from many doctors and had spent all the money she had, but instead of improving, she was getting worse. So so let's think about what she was suffering. She was suffering physically, her strength, her energy level. I mean, her life's blood was being drained out of her body. She had suffered financially. She had nothing left. She'd spent all her money on doctors. She suffered relationally. If you don't know, in this culture, if you have this kind of condition, you are a social outcast. You are considered unclean. In fact, when she comes into a group setting, she would have to cry out unclean so that they knew that she was there. She suffered emotionally. Her heart was breaking from the isolation. She, she couldn't even have anything to do with her family, anything to do with her husband, any, anything going on relationally. According to Leviticus chapter 15, anything that she touched in the Jewish culture, anything she touched became unclean. She was forbidden any human contact whatsoever. She was completely isolated. So she was not only physically dying, she was dying alone. 
Technically, it was against Jewish law for her to even be in this crowd. And obviously, she had not cried unclean because the crowd was still there. She was required to clear the crowd when she came, but not this day. She decided, I'm desperate. I have to get to Jesus. So don't miss the picture of this weak, pale, anemic woman as she crawls through the crowd. She has a desperate look of hope on her face and she is risking it all to touch Jesus. Maybe you can relate to this woman because you are suffering. Maybe you're suffering physically today. Maybe you're suffering financially or with your job or emotionally or relationally today. Maybe there's something going on in you. Maybe you have been bleeding out. Maybe you feel like you are leaking life and it's been that way for a long time and you've been trying this and trying that, trying to resolve your issues and you are looking for answers, looking for help and you have found nothing and you're desperate this last this next line moves me verse 27 when the woman heard about Jesus notice that she heard she didn't see she didn't know firsthand she heard somebody told her hey there's there's a guy named Jesus that maybe could help you maybe he could be the one that could make a difference for you. This woman had run out of options, but she heard about Jesus. And she knew that she needed to forget every other source. She knew that she needed to abandon every other idea. She knew that she needed to ignore what everyone else was telling her. She knew that Jesus was the one that she needed. She knew that Jesus would change her life. She had to get close to him. She had to touch him. And so she disregarded the law that said she couldn't be in the crowd. She couldn't touch a, a religious teacher like this. And she desperately grabbed for Jesus. And in verse 27, when she, the woman heard about Jesus... She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his coat. Why? She tells us, she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Man, <laughs> that, that's faith. I mean, she wasn't saying, if Jesus could just talk to me, if I could just get a moment of his time, if he could just touch me and pray for me, or maybe if I could just tell him my story, if I could have like 30 minutes and just come into his office and tell my story to him. No. If I could just, if I could just touch his clothes. Not even him. If I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. So, so Jairus is leading Jesus through the narrow streets of this village. People are pressing in from every side, pushing and shoving. The crowd is, is squeezing in. Everyone is wanting to see Jesus. And in the midst of this mob, there is this one desperate woman who quietly comes close enough to touch him. And when she did, verse 29, it says, instantly, say that word with me, Instantly. Come on, think about that for a moment. Twelve years she's been dealing with this condition. And instantly, 
Instantly, her bleeding stopped. And she, what? What's that next word? Felt. She knew it. She felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. Jesus did what only Jesus could do. No one else could do this. Jesus is amazing, friends. He did it for her. Get this down in your outline. Jesus can change my life in a moment. He really can. He can change my life in a moment. What I've suffered with for years can be dealt with in a moment's time. When when I reach out to Jesus, Jesus will respond to me. The woman touched Jesus, and at once Jesus felt power go out from him. So he turned around in the crowd, and he asked a question. I love this. This is kind of, I find this humorous. Who touched my clothes? And and I, I, I find it interesting that he feels somebody touching his clothes let alone touching him. But then in the midst of this mob who was pushing in, he's, who touched me? And his followers, I'm sure it's Peter and the guys, they say, look at how many people are pushing against you. And you ask, who touched me? Really? Are you serious? I mean, the better question would be, who didn't touch you? Right? (laughs) And so, I mean, Peter's probably rolling his eyes going, are you really asking this question? Everybody's touching you. But Jesus continued looking around to see who had touched him. So this is, the, this is the emphasis. He stopped. He was on his way to Jairus' house. The crowd was pressing in. They're on the move. And this woman touches his clothes and he stops to see who touched him. Don't miss that. So he's probing. Who touched me? I know someone touched me. Who touched me? It seems like this woman possibly was trying to slip away unnoticed, back into the mob, the, you know, content to just slip away, to disappear into this faceless crowd and, and to have this, this secret experience of healing and to not have to tell her story, not to have to tell anyone. But Jesus is not going to let that happen. You know why? Because your faith is a personal thing, but it is not supposed to be a private thing. Listen to me. Your experience with Jesus is something that people around you need to know. You know why? Because he's the hope of the world. He is the source. And she needed to tell her story. Jesus calls her out of the crowd so that she would openly declare that she had been healed. The woman knowing, verse 33, the woman knowing that she had been healed came and fell at Jesus' feet. Isn't it interesting that both Jairus fell at Jesus' feet and now this woman, unnamed woman. It says, shaking with fear, she told him the whole truth. What is that? It's her story. I'm sure that's how the writer Mark, uh, really it was Peter who was um, giving these words for Mark to write down. I'm sure this is how Peter got the story, got and understood her story. She's telling the crowd, the mob, her story. She's telling Jesus. Jesus wanted her story to be made public and not only to, to build up her faith, but also to show the crowd that she was clean, that she was normal, that she was healed. She could go back to normal life. It was important for her to be accepted back into the community. Her shame was now gone. Everything had changed in her life. 
Jesus wanted to bring that out so the people would accept her back. But I think there was more to this. Who was the main character of our original story? Jairus. And they were on their way in an urgency, in an emergency to save his daughter. And now everything came to a stop. And I think that Jesus wanted Jairus to hear her story too. I mean, come on, let's look at the details of these stories. You're going to see some similarities. I mean, this woman had suffered for how long? 12 years. It's interesting that later on in our story, you're going to see in just a minute, Jairus' daughter happens to be, guess what, 12 years old. This woman was bleeding so much so that she was dying. What about Jairus' daughter? She was dying too. Now this woman is healed. Jesus says to her, dear woman, you were made well because you believed. Notice, he didn't say you were made well because you touched my coat. Listen, that, that's not part of the package. Jesus is saying because of your faith, because of what you believed, you have now been made well. And she, he says to her, go in peace, be healed. This, this woman thought that her main problem was an issue of blood, but actually this woman needed more. Jesus spoke into her life two very important ideas. Circle the word well and the word healed on your outline. When Jesus says you are made well, it's the Greek word sozo. It's a great word. I know I'm digging a little bit deeper in this because we got to get this. Jesus is basically saying, you are experiencing salvation. Sozo is, is the idea of Jesus bringing salvation to this woman. But then Jesus uses that word healed, which is another Greek word. It's hugeos, which means wholeness. She didn't just need physical healing. She needed her, her body, her mind, her soul, her heart, everything to be touched so that it would be whole. And that's what Jesus is bringing to her, wholeness. This is great for the woman, isn't it? Am I right? Am I right? This is a great thing. Her 12-year battle has just ended in a moment of time, but not so great for Jairus. Because, I mean, his daughter is dying, and every minute is critical, and the only one who can make a difference is now standing here talking to this woman, wasting time. And then in verse 35, while Jesus was still talking to her, some people came from the house of the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter is dead. There's no need to bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. There's no hope. Can, can, you, can you imagine Jairus' heart in that moment? When everything stopped, they wasted time, and now she's gone. Jesus paid no attention to what they said, verse 36. He told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. I kind of wonder if Jesus did these, this one-on-one face-to-face -face thing in that moment. I kind of wonder if maybe 
If maybe Jesus is like moves closer to Jairus, maybe even grabs his face. This would be something I would do. You know, just grab his face and go, hey, 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 look at me. Don't be afraid. Hang on to the faith that you have. Don't be afraid. Can you imagine this? Jesus challenged him to hold on to what little faith he had in leaving the crowd. Jesus continues to the home of Jairus. Verse 37, Jesus let only Peter, James, and John go with him. That's interesting, isn't it? He leaves all the rest of the disciples. There's 12, right? He leaves all the rest there, the nine. He says, you guys just hang out with the crowd. Keep them busy. Keep them back. You're kind of like security. Hold them back for us. We're moving on. And so he grabs Peter, James, and John, his close three, and he goes with this dad to see this daughter. There's two things before we move on here. Somebody needs to hear this, and you need to write this down. Listen, not everything needs to be listened to, and not everybody needs to go with you. I want you to to catch that today. Not everything needs to be listened to, and not everything needs to go, not everybody needs to go with you. Don't miss that. Sometimes if you listen to everything and if you let everybody go with you, you will not experience what Jesus has planned for your life. So when they came to the house, Jesus found many people there making lots of noise and crying loudly. Jesus entered the house and said to them, why are you crying and making so much noise? The child is not dead, only asleep. And notice what the crowd does. They laughed at him. Asleep. (laughs) Come on. Asleep. Who are you? You just came into the room. You didn't see. She's dead. She's gone. She's been gone for a while. It took you a long time to get here. She's gone. No, she's asleep. (laughs) Asleep. Who is this guy telling us he's just asleep? He stepped into this scene of death with hope. Have you ever stepped into a a scene of death before? Probably some of you have. I remember the first couple of weeks that I was here. We've been here now uh, over 26 years at Pathway Church. One of the first couple of weeks that that when I came, I was 26 at the time, just a young guy stepping into being a lead pastor, not knowing what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. But back then, I really didn't know what I'm doing. And, And I get this call that it was... A friend of a friend of a friend who went to our church and someone was dying at Scripps Hospital. Can you please go and visit them? Sure. I didn't know him, but sure. And I go, literally the first hospital call I would ever did as a pastor here at this church. I walk into the room and the guy had just died like 30 seconds before I got there. They had just called it. And when I walked into that room, it was like, and this is no pun intended, like the life had been sucked out of the room. If any of you have experienced death before, you know what I'm talking about. There was just, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just there. And I looked around, I didn't know these people, and I looked around and they were, they were crying, but they weren't crying out loud. The tears were running down their face, and it was just this silence in the room. And I wonder if that's what Jesus walked into. 
Now, I know that they're talking about the, the wailing and all of this, and, that, and that's part of Jewish culture, and that's outside, I'm sure. But in this room, as he walks into this, is, is this the way he finds where there's, there's death in this room, and he is experiencing this, this death, and he's saying, no, 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 she's just asleep. Like, no, she's dead. And they mocked the one who could change things. I love this next part. I love this personality of Jesus right here. Look at this. Verse 40, so after throwing them out of the house, Mark writes it in, in commas, just by the way, after he threw them out of the house, don't you love that? Come on, I mean, it's all right to laugh, okay? I think that is so great. Jesus is like, wait, who do I think I am? Let me show you who I am. Get out of the house. You don't even need to be here. We don't need you. You have no faith at all. After throwing them out of the house, Jesus took the child's father and mother and his three followers into the room where the child was. And then Jesus does what only Jesus can do. Taking hold of the girl's hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, young girl, I tell you to stand up. And at once the girl stood up, right up, and began walking. He touched her, and she walked. She stood up. The actual event is very simple and yet very powerful. Jesus enters the house with the couple. There's you know, soft spoken words, and new life comes to this girl, and Jesus helps her stand up. I love this image that I found this week of this whole scene. I think this is a beautiful artistic image of this. What would have been the worst day of their lives for Jairus and his wife have now turned into one of the best days of their lives. Jesus walked into a house full of death and transformed it into a house of life. Isn't that amazing? Jesus did what only Jesus can do. You know why? Because Jesus is amazing. And so we circle back to that verse that I told you about in the beginning. Let's read it together, verse 42. Everyone was completely amazed. You didn't read it with me. Come on, read it with me. Everyone was completely amazed. So during my prep this week, I, I came across an incredible passage that I think ties in. And I wanted to use it as our, as our wrap-off today. It's Psalm 107. Let me just read it to you. In your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your feet on a wonderful road and took you straight to a good place to live. You called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He led you out of your dark cell, broke open the jail, and led you out. You called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out of, in the nick of time. He, he spoke, don't miss this part, he spoke the word that healed you pulled you back from the brink of death. Did you catch that last part? He spoke the words that healed you. He pulled you back from the brink of death. That's, that's our story. That's Mark 5. But that first part is what gets me. That first verse. I mean, look at verse 6 again. In your desperate condition, you called out to God. That's what they did in our story, right? 
In both situations, they went to Jesus. If you're desperate here today, friend, I got to tell you, I'm with you. I, I relate. I'm facing some things like you are facing things that are overwhelming, that, that, that I don't know what to do. And I am in a desperate situation too. If we are desperate today, if we are desperate with some situation, if we are desperate in our marriage, if we are desperate in our family or in our health, in our job, in our finances, wherever we are desperate, it's, it, we need to know that Jesus is our only hope. And it's time to cry out. It's time to reach out. Instead of, instead of trying all that we try to do, it's time. It's time to reach out to Jesus. It's time to cry out to Jesus and see what he can do because he's really the only one that can do anything. Would you bow your heads with me?